Walker waiting, shuffling the puck to Brown. Brown turns, fires, scores! This is an All the Kingsman post-game podcast. As Burns turned it over to Kopitar, and Kopitar's centering pass hit the stick of Goudreau. Landed the eye follow. One-timer scores! Matt Roy! First career NHL goal! I follow. Fishing for the puck. It pops free. Here's Kopitar alone! He scores! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. I promise you guys, we do not spend 40 minutes talking about Brendan Leipzig in this episode. Jack Jablonski and I talked about the win over the Sharks. Dave Joseph joined us about halfway through, right about the time that I stumbled onto the first part of my new locker room chemistry theory, parts two and three to come later. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We are here high above the ice in the Bob Miller press box at Staples Center. Joining me tonight, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? Doing well. I'm a little thrown off because we won. But, yeah. But hey. And I, I have to concede, as much as we're all, you know, lose for Hughes, crap over Cago, oh, lottery for yeah. the lottery. We played well, but we lost. Yeah, yeah, all that. It really, really feels good to beat the Sharks. So good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> when uh, when Kovacar scored that goal. I didn't cheer. I didn't fist bump, but I did do a little Jim Fox. Oh, <laughs> it was, it was totally... I, I, even sitting next to you, I missed that. But it yeah. was so good, especially when all of a sudden you're in Staples Center and you hear the yeah the, the, the you know those slimy "Let's Go Sharks" chants, and it just it just do that up in up north. Like, let don't bring that down. Here. I honestly, I don't know what it is about Sharks fans because I don't. I feel invaded. I when... feel like this clause is also. In, Including the Vegas Golden Knights fans. Well, it is a little bit, but like Blackhawks fans, Red Wings fans, Rangers fans, Anaheim. Uh, nah, I don't really care about Anaheim fans. <laughs> but the big, the the West Coast cities: Boston, Philly, New York, Chicago, Detroit. The West Coast. Sorry, East Coast. The the transplants, right? The big cities that send hordes of people to L.A. to live here, who only come out to Staples once a year to see their team play yeah, montreal Toronto. yeah yeah it's annoying i feel i feel like you know a bad house guest is over but i don't harbor <laughs> any resentment towards them as individuals because yeah. i'm like all right at some level like, I, I get it yeah if i if i moved to boston you know if i had gone to school in toronto and you know the kings went to play like i'd go i'd wear a king's jersey i'd be that because i get it I, I mean as a transplant myself yeah exactly i totally understand but when it's sharks fans <laughs> and they like caravan down in their vw buses and their you know whatever and they've got flags and toques and face paint and and i don't know there's just something about them i cartoon don't color, yeah i don't like it color i really don't like it it's it's more than just being a bad house guest it's like the bad house guest that brings their frat buddy with them and it's hey, like is it cool to, if you can say you know, about frat brothers? no no no. i'm just you know or, or you know or, or is working on you know, like, uh yeah, but, no, know, I totally like, understand. It's I, just something about him. Yeah. It's I think, I, and honestly, you know, it uh, it starts with the rivalry, and, and every you know, between us and Anaheim, between us and Vegas, between us and uh, I think San Jose, those mm-hmm. three specifically. I think there's just something about it. Um, you know, there's history with all three of them, even yeah. though there's been one year of history. But already off to a quick start in Vegas. But yeah, the San Jose thing is. You know, we've had their number in the playoffs, and then all of a sudden they turn that on us, and we haven't been able to get back at them in the playoffs. So there's just something about it. It's, it's not that we're, you know. But I think the Ducks are so 
suburban, family-friendly, low-key, you know, yes, there are obnoxious dog fans. Well, right? yeah. We all know them. But generally speaking, as like a tribe, they don't they yeah, don't just, offend. Yep, yep. Vegas fans. If that's just a respectful, yeah. intense, I hate you rivalry. Vegas fans, they're too, like, they haven't earned it in my eyes, so it's like, even though, even though it's some every capacity, I know, but but still, it's just because they're babies, right? Like they're yeah. a year into it or a, two years now, I guess. You so haven't you're had like, time to fit. Yeah, you're like even get out of you, here. Yeah, you're not even real fans. You weren't even supposed to be here. But the Sharks fans, there's <laughs> just some. Like I said, I don't know. It's just because they caravan down, or I don't know. But maybe it's the Northern California. I guess NorCal, SoCal. It's you get San Jose, and then it's like oh Palo Alto. You know what it is? I think I mentioned it mm-hmm. last year too. It's the fact that they are. They're, they are, I think I called them the Ned Flanders of hockey fans last year. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how many times their team chokes. It doesn't matter how many teams their how many times their team comes up short. No matter how many times they, their team disappoints. They're still just like, yeah, Sharks! And you just go like, yo, your team's terrible. What are you talking about? I mean, obviously, they're way better than the Kings this year. But, but, but if you're engaged in some sort of, you know verbal battle with them you know you can never win because they don't care they're just (laughs) in on their team no matter what and i suppose that's a much healthier way to live to just be endlessly optimistic about your team (laughs) but my god it's annoying i don't like them so that was the long version of we yes (laughs) but Um, it was was a satisfying win the third period was something that we haven't seen in a while and um you know you just hope that we see more of this next year, I guess. It's going to be a different next year, a uh, different roster, hopefully. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's just good to see a win and uh, to know that, you know, you played spoiler a little bit in their playoff standings. I mean, it pushes them a little bit away from that one seed, um, even though I think going into this year, I don't think anyone had Calgary in the one hole. No. Um, but hey, no one did and no one had the Kings in seven. So anything can happen. I think part or of what eight. made this win particularly satisfying uh, is that the Kings outplayed them in the first period, but it was one to one. Yeah, and, so, and yeah. that's where we all yeah. And yeah, I think you had we were this feeling this. of like it was like oh we let them hang yeah. around, and then all of a sudden it's two one. But then honestly, three, one, the Sharks outplayed them the rest of the way <laughs> until about twelve or thirteen to go in the third. Yeah, yeah but the Kings right still <laughs> right come from behind and win. Yeah, and you go like all right, so you know that again those fans that, that we all dislike, you know that they're having the kind of night that the Kings have had all season long. Where nothing's going right, everything's mm-hmm. going wrong. You know that Kopitar goal, the third goal. It's not as if it was a result of some sort of insane, intense pressure or brilliant shift by the Kings. No, the, the Sharks, Sharks were breaking out, yeah, and, and somehow it just took a bad bounce, and Kopitar happened to be behind the defenseman because he was just—I wouldn't say lollygagging, but he, yes. he wasn't, you know, giving his whole heart to get back on D. Precisely. And, <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes the puck goes their way, and you get a little puck luck. So it's better um, to be lucky than good. Exactly, and the amount of times I think the luck hasn't gone the Kings' way, uh, it's about time we got something that did. Yeah, you know, I think everyone knows the cliche of you know it takes luck to win a championship, and that's completely true. You know, you need health, you need uh, a call here, a call there, whatever it may be. Um, and you know, in this specific instance, you know, we're not fighting for any championships, mm-hmm. but um, you know, sometimes you just need a good bounce to go your way to win a game. And I don't know how many that is in the last you know twenty or so games, but. Um, that's not the focus. Nope. Uh, so we'll take it, even though, uh, you know, again, we weren't trying to necessarily win. But, hey, a win's a win, and we'll take it. Well, you know, we always say you expect the players on the ice to try to win no matter what. 100%. It's, it's up to the front office 
and you know the GM and the coach and everything to determine whether or not they're quote unquote trying to lose. You yeah. want the players out there trying to win. And to that point, yep. um, they've got they've got they have things to play for as well. Yeah, and and prior to the game, we asked around, we asked for predictions, uh, we asked Dave, we asked you, and I gave my thoughts. All three of us came up with four to two San Jose, mm-hmm. so we had to score backwards. <laughs> and I asked you who you thought you'd score. You said Dustin Brown, and I think you said Grunstrom. Grunstrom. He had a great first period. He did. And Brown had a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also said Austin Wagner. I said Kempe and Wagner. Yeah. Kempe Wa- Wagner had a goal. He just for the wrong team. You're right. Um, so we won one for two. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and we got the score right. Yeah. I just, just backwards. shouldn't have specified who was going to yeah. win. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kempe almost had a goal, but I thought Dustin Brown and Kopitar and I follow. Uh, Minus the fact that Kopitar was behind <laughs> behind the play on that one goal he scored. Um, I felt like, particularly during that last 12-minute stretch that you were talking about, they actually kind of looked like they cared again. Um, Good to see. Yeah, and, and I don't know how much of that is that it was the crowd was into it, it was the Sharks, you know, mm-hmm. they were already winning, so, you know, it was, <laughs> it's easier to hold on to a win, I suppose, than it is to fight back when you're down, I suppose. Um but I thought there were a lot of, you know, all the conversations we're going to have between now and the first week of April are going to be about moving forward in the future and the young yep. players. And I thought there was a lot of positives to look forward to. If we're looking forward, I thought there were a lot of positives to see in this game tonight, specifically the play of Walker and Roy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Sean Walker's shot. Both of them are young. Both of them are rookies. They're going to make mistakes. I'm not yep. nominating either one of them for a Norris yet. But. You know, they're keyword, <laughs> keyword listeners yet, but they're both right handed shots. They're both in their early 20s. And if our expert, ex, if our expectations are reasonably set for next season, I really don't have any problem with the right side of the of the ice being Dowdy, Roy and Walker mm-hmm. next season. Yeah, I think everyone knows that for the Kings to, to get back into the playoffs, they need an improved D line. And we don't know where that's going to come from yet. We don't know who that is includes or um you know how many people that are on the ice right now are going to be there when we say it is an improved d-line and whether that just means you know sean walker and roy get better and that's the improved d-line or you know you bring in x y or z and that's where we get better but uh you know it was something that i think a lot of kings fans have wanted to see um and they've gotten ice time which is great to see because that's everything we've been told. You know, it's it's time that you know other people get opportunities because what we had didn't work, and to see two goals in two games from both of them combined in the last two games is something that is not only a positive but uh, something that you can keep working on, and that's going to be able to build their confidence, uh, hopefully for the rest of the season. Uh, but you know, give them the confidence that they can play at this level, and uh, the validation that their results of of what we are told that they're good at are happening on the ice as well in a Kings game. The uh, the forwards, I mean, they're going to have to fill out the left side of the blue line. Martinez yes. and Phaneuf, not entirely sure. Where the future is. Yeah, yeah, but but the forward core is, I think, obviously where we're really... There's a lot of moving pieces. We just yeah. don't know what's moving where and who's who Who are those moving pieces. And, and yeah. are they moving up and down in lines or are they moving in uniforms? Now, I want to talk about Grunstrom because... He's got two goals in what has he played seven or eight games now, something like that. Yeah, hot start. He's cooled off a little. Um, yeah, and that was to be expected. I mean, two goals Always, in his first yeah. two games was never going to be hey, a. a Tian Phaneuf had two goals in his first three games. Yeah, I guess he's played six games at this point. Um, so two goals in six games, not bad. But I mean, it seems perfectly clear to me. It's a Twenty-five goal season. <laughs> yeah, 
it seems perfectly clear to me that Grunstrom is probably not going to be uh, a top six player. Okay. Just based on uh, six games, I know that's crazy to start making proclamations. But if you have him as a reliable defensive presence on the third line, defensive presence may not be the right word. I mm-hmm. guess what I'm looking for is possession-wise, right? He's he's generating more. His When he's out on the ice, they're generating more shots than they're giving up. It's a good thing. Now, my curiosity moving forward is we've had all these – bullet points that have come out we've had all this talk about what the focus of the franchise is is going forward if grenstrom isn't going to be a massive goal scorer okay and i'm not saying he's not but if if he's not then what you're talking about is essentially trevor lewis or nick shore and i love that kind of player but it seems perfectly clear to me that the rest of the organization and the rest of the fan base and the quote-unquote direction of the league is moving away from players like that? I don't think he's uh, comparable to those two. I think he's a little bit more offensive and a little bit more high energy. You know, Nick Shore was a good all-around player, and I I guess good is maybe a little bit of an overstatement. He was just a very average, you know, guy who was consistent. Trevor Lewis has made his career off of consistency. Grunstrom, I think... He provides more offensive abilities uh, and a little bit more energy. Now, I think Trevor Lewis has always been an energy player in a different way. He's always the guy who's going to make the right play or or create the right opportunity or you know make a hit that's going to change you know how the the outcome or the energy of the game is going to go. Where I think Grunstrom, from what we've seen in six games and even a little bit in his you know career before uh, a Kings uniform, is he's got those high end abilities of. You know, we, we, we can see some of the Carl Hagelin of you. Know, there's his speed or, or there's his offensive mindset where he's just going to kind of buzz around and just create some energy in that aspect. So you hope to see him as a guy who, if he's not going to be a big time goal scorer, a big time point getter, and he does, you know, see himself on that third or fourth line role that he can kind of just go out there and be the little ball of hate. Who's just going to run around, try to create opportunities and turnovers uh, and that's where I think his career is going to head if he can find himself on a more consistent basis, um, but still creating the offense because that's where a team like the Kings has struggled over the years. And again, if we look into the the realistic future of next year or, or what we think could you know be the roster uh, in that area, that's where he's going to have to be successful uh, for the Kings to not only use him to their benefit uh, but at the same time for him to be able to uh you know maintain a career in the nhl level yeah i guess my question is just what's the what's the minimum amount of goals that the organization and the fan base are going to be happy with from the bottom six type players because Mm -hmm. i mean that's why i sort of bring up nick shore i mean without drawing a direct comparison between their playing styles i guess my point is if the third line if they do find some sort of solution for for 2c next year and you know carter has a as a rebirth or whatever Mm -hmm. um if the third line isn't putting up 40 50 goals as a as a unit as a unit you know are are we comfortable with that and as i've said i'm fine right like i don't personally care how many goals individuals score Mm -hmm. the only number i care about is wins but you see these other teams with (laughs) players you know, with third lines and fourth lines that are scoring a ton of goals. And, and you know, if you look at the 
the teams that are potting the most. Like for example, Ottawa, Toronto. you know, is in last place, <laughs> okay. but they have you know yes a bunch of goals scored, and their problem is defense and goaltending, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, where does that? Where do we stand with you know how like how many goals are we expecting out of the expecting is not the right word because we don't even know what the third line looks like next year. Yeah. But how many goals do we want out of something like the third line next year? Third, well, out of a third line. I mean, the thing is, is you know, going into the year, the Kings were coming off of a, a team or a performance prior where they had allowed the least amount of goals in a season. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us expected that, nor really even realized that until we got to the end of the year, especially with all the talk about the, the defense, uh, or yeah, the defensive you know situation and how we were shorthanded. So so then come around to the following year where we head into the next season of, well, we need to figure out how we're going to score goals. That's not a good transition. <laughs> uh, just solely because all of a sudden we don't, we don't give up goals and we've had a problem with that this year and now all of a sudden we can't score goals. Uh, yes, that's a recipe for ending you know, the season in the, the slot uh, that we are in the terms of standings. But, you know, in terms of what you want out of a third line is, you know, anytime you can get a third line that's plus, it's it's a, a it's an extreme excess, success because, you know, sometimes, especially on road games, your third line is going to end up there on, you know, playing against the first and second line. Uh, but in terms of goals, I, you know, I think you have to look at, you know, 45 is probably a great number, especially given the season that we've had. You know, we've got, you know, Toffoli who has... 12 I, I don't and even know Carter, who has yeah. 11 now I don't even know who you call the third line no point, exactly though, but like, those yeah. are two second liners yeah so they've produced 22 right or 23 if you have 45 on a third line you're probably a playoff team yeah in a perfect world yes I, I think realistically if you can get two double digits out of the the third line next year that's probably a success yeah now i mentioned on you know you mentioned tyler Foley only has 12 goals and i pointed out on twitter and on reddit and by the way calm down reddit i am so, <laughs> so disappointed in all of you on reddit but on but i pointed out <laughs> on twitter and reddit that that tanner pearson has more goals than tyler Foley. and i didn't offer any commentary with that stat i just pointed it out and I think a lot of people assumed that my point was, oh, Tanner Pearson's so good, they never should have gotten rid of Tanner Pearson. Not my point. <laughs> yes, I do like Tanner Pearson. Yes, I would have preferred they not get rid of him. But I'm not going to sit here and go like, neener, neener, boo-boo. Tanner Pearson has one more <laughs> one more disappointing goal than Ta- Tyler DeVoli there. Yeah. I, my, wouldn't, I don't think Tanner Pearson is happy with the year. Yeah, my point was had. a guy that the Kings deemed – worth getting rid of right a guy who had zero goals in 17 games when they traded him yeah the guy that they moved to try and revitalize the offense to try and make a change to try and one last ditch effort at injecting something into this season in 54 games away from this team mm-hmm. he's got 13 goals was it 13 13 goals <laughs> if, if he has one more goal he's tied with Iafalo and kovalchuk in goals mm-hmm. and he'd be tied for third on this team Carter and sorry, Kopitar and Brown have 21 and 20 respectively. Like my point in pointing out the Tanner Pearson is 13 is to say that this team, except for the Ducks, they're the lowest scoring team in the league. Although I don't know how it changes after tonight with four goals. But (laughs) four goals. No, but the point is like whatever is happening to this team, and I we've said it all season long, and I will continue saying it is not a question of talent 
right? That's why I say, like, next year, what are we looking for goal-wise? Because I'm perfectly happy with half the town, <laughs> half the guys on the, you know, like Trevor Lewis, Kyle Clifford, Grunstrom, Kempe. These guys are doing, I think, what we basically expect out of them, right? At this point in Kempe's career, we understand he's not necessarily a 20, even a 20 goal scorer. Right? Yeah. I like, mean, 25 games into his career, we thought he were going to see, you know, oh, the next on Jacobitar. Not going to happen. Or he if went, it does, great. But what did he do? I think he finished the last 50 something games last year with one goal. Well, I was like 29 last season and then it bled over into this year. Yeah. It was, it wasn't pretty, but yeah. he's picked it up this year. And I think we've seen, but you are right. And sorry to interrupt here, but you know, what you've seen out of Kempe is there's progress and there's an upside to you know more so than we thought after kind of the rough patch that he went through um for the you know roughly 50 games you know give or take but yes we've we've gotten what we've expected and yet our expectations are shattered from what we've seen this season which i think is interesting um with that said, all those role players are kind of, yeah, that's what we'd expect. That's what I expect out of Kyle Clifford. That's right. what I expect out of Trevor Lewis. That's what I expect out of Grunstrom. Uh, you know, there's a few other names that, you know, can come to mind. But then again, it's, well, where did Tyler DeFoley go this year? Where did... So that's why I'm bringing it up. Where and did Jeff Carter go this year? There was year? a conversation did, yeah. before the game tonight, and somebody said, uh, so we were talking about what went wrong, and somebody said something about, uh, I couldn't hear what they said, but it started with a cuh as the first consonant and so i said did you say coaching or culture and the person said coaching <laughs> well no the person said coaching but the point is everybody at the table went like i thought you said culture and either way you're right yeah <laughs> and so that's why i point out the pearson and Safoli thing is because moving forward next year i think i think everybody needs to and i think your organization has set their sights low set the bar low. We understand that this team is about to have one of the worst seasons maybe in franchise history. Yeah. But with I think way fewer tweaks than most people are talking about. I think this team can actually rebound not to cup contention, not to dominance, but I, well, I mean, you never get? know. You never know. Because playoff contention, I think, has more to do with well, yeah, but if the you're other teams say rebound, in your Rebound is the playoff contention, not, no, to, but, not okay. to 13th in the conference. No, but the point is, good night, Digital. <laughs> but the point is, uh, the point is, if you think this team is going gonna, is gonna to be a lottery pick next year, right? Which is sort of the rhetoric we've been hearing, right? We're AKA not playoffs. Clean house. Well, no, not at all. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> my expectations are that this team finishes in the bottom five again next season because I don't believe okay. that the roster can change that much in the offseason just based on situations. Yeah. However, if, if, it's a huge if, but not an impossible yeah, if, if somehow those changes can happen, then I think not as many of them have to happen to get this team turned around. Like, I think some people feel like, 10 moves have to be made to get this team turned around. Mm -hmm. I feel like two, maybe three have to happen. It's just they're insanely difficult to maneuver. Well, that's getting number one or two overall in the draft. That's... I, I don't even necessarily think that's one of them. Oh, come on. I don't. Come Dave, on. turn your mic on. Dave Joseph. Hello. Hello. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. <laughs> Kings Sorry Bay for the late, no late arrival. No problem. To catch you up, 
Please. We, we like Matt Roy and Sean Walker. We do. We like Grunstrom. We do. Uh, we're happy to beat the Sharks. We are. Sharks fans are the worst. They are. And I don't think, if we're talking about how many changes have to happen between this year and next. Yep. How well, many of okay, them? Okay, time out. Yeah. Because I, I still feel like the bar of what you call success uh-huh. is unclear. I'm not using the word success. I'm okay, using what, the word turning the ship around. Okay, so to turn the ship around, yeah. yeah. I mean, you turn the ship around by getting rid of two contracts. Uh, whether you buy out one, trade another, or and then just get younger, that's, that's turning the ship around. That's all I mean, I'm saying. That's that's easy. But 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 <laughs> but but I don't. But but in sports, like when we talk about turn, like the the metaphor turn a ship around. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise ship. But part of the reason people die when they fall off a cruise ship, pardon the morbid because, well, metaphor, because um, it's a five story. In the, but it also a takes a week to turn that friggin' boat around. <laughs> so the person falls out, and by the time the boat has turned around. They're a mile away from where the person fell, and you can't find them, and they drown. It doesn't in a salary cap world with the kind of talent you have on this team, and as I alluded to earlier, I don't think the thing holding this boat down is talent. I think it's culture and coaching, or some combination of both. And those are the kinds of things that can change overnight. Yes, there have to be roster moves, but I think people are talking about this team as if there have to be 15, 10 to 15 roster moves. And I think you can get away with two or three. Hire the right coach, make the right changes to the to the culture, and I think all of a sudden you have guys on the team that are and I don't say this as an insult, I just say this as a designation of the different kinds of human beings that exist. You get some of the guys in this locker room that are emotional followers, not emotional leaders, and suddenly they're following a different culture. Well, well a bad emotion right now. Well it, it spreads. But I mean those kinds of things are yeah. contagious. I would agree with that. Okay. You can't go wholesale changes in the offseason. You can't just dump five, six, seven guys and expect you're going to get five, six, seven guys to come back in here and make a difference right away. Correct. So if you start off with two or three, you're well on your way to creating the culture and the atmosphere that you want. Is that what you're getting at? Kind of. Because I, I, I agree with that sentiment. If I'm picking up here mid I'm just, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that <laughs> our expectations should be low. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, that they should they should be exaggerated based on what we are looking at this year. Sure. But I don't think they are. But I, if I'm a bookmaker in Vegas, I'm not setting the odds as low as my expectations, if that makes any sense. That does make sense. Yes. But I think you can change it with two or three guys. If you get the number one, number two, number three draft pick, whoever Thank it you. is. Right. <laughs> And that person comes in, and he's certainly going to make a difference, you would think. Yes. Uh, and then you see some of the younger guys step up and play a bigger role, more pivotal role on this team, and get more minutes, which we really haven't seen this <sighs> season. But we should see next season with a different head coach, I yep. would think. Yep. Um, I think that would that would make huge strides in making this team a much better team, even going into next year. Now, are they? A, that being said, are they a playoff team next year? Probably not. Probably not. It's going to take a year or two to, to turn that around and get them back into the playoffs. But I think if you can make those steps, those those small moves to start things off and, and to see where the Gabe Velarde's play in, and it's like we talked about on the last podcast, Gabe Velarde and Jared yeah. Anderson Dolan and, and right all these all these kids and Kapari, who knows Kapari. where Kapari, if he's going to play here next year. Um, right there. Right there. Right there, you could literally. That's another look, line. Yeah, you could look at another line, but you could also with. You know, somewhat of the Kings' expectations or our expectations. That's, you know, say you get a top draft pick. That's fifty points, give or take, roughly sure. in a in in a good ideal situation, right? Or at least what I think everyone expects those first few guys to come off the board to do. 
Then you get Kapari, who looks like he could do the same. Yep. And bring in, you know, a few guys, get a little bit younger. You know, that's that's progress. And and I think, to Jesse's point, that is turning the ship around. And they're going to play a different style of game than the, than the current roster is playing, it's right? It's going to get a lot faster, and it's going to get a lot more fun to watch. So this right. was the conversation we had earlier about Grundstrom, saying, what, what, what kind of goal total do we want out of our third and fourth lines? You know, if, if a guy like Grundstrom comes in, and he's more cut from a cloth of, and I'm not going to say mirroring these exact playing styles, I'm just going to throw out some names, but if he's cut more from a cloth of a Trevor Lewis and Ian LaPerriere and Nick Shore or whatever, like a, you know, a, a not necessarily a goal-scoring third liner, but he does the job and the puck is in the other team's zone more often, are we happy with that? Or do we want him scoring 15 to 20 goals on the third line? I think he's going to score 15 to 20 goals. Yeah, well, that'd be lovely. I think. <laughs> that, well, I think, no, but that's what he's shown all this year. And I think, you know, yes, it's six games. It's a small sample size. But the way he plays, the way he's played in juniors all the ways up, is that he can create opportunities and he can put pucks in the net. And not only can he get it in the other zone, and that's a success if the third line is in the offensive zone most of the game, but he he has the ability to create chances. And I don't think he's a guy that's going to just lead a line, but I think if you can give him, you know, pieces to work with i think you can see results early comparison for grunstrom let's see where this goes guess who i'm going to compare him to on on the current king's roster current kings yep and he's young he's young so so take it with a grain of salt but but my my best comparison clifford no what no what (laughs) he's 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 a fighter (laughs) uh who is it dustin brown okay Minus the he's, goals, he's dust. No, I, mean, I think two I, and six. I guess is. Pretty I think good. he's. I think he's got. Yeah. That in him, I think he's got twenty goals in him. Okay. I've seen him play in Ontario for a handful of games. Mm-hmm. He goes to the dirty spots. Yep. He's not afraid to play a physical game. No. He skates well, well enough. Uh, he likes to mix it up and be physical. Mm-hmm. He has. It's very similar to Dustin Brown. For the record, I don't think Kyle Clifford is that crazy, given he just said Dustin Brown. Kyle Clifford is just a but he, but, but, it's but just Carl, a fourth line. But Carl Grunstrom's not going to drop the gloves and, no. and be the well, enforcer. Kyle Clifford hardly drops the. I mean, yeah, but that's Kyle Clifford's role. All right, I'm saying he's he's. <laughs> he, he, I, I'm saying early comparison uh-huh. again, very early. But he's got he's got the traits of a Dustin Brown. He really does. I can. So see for it. him to put in 20 goals it would not be a stretch. No, I, but I think he needs help with the 20 goals. I don't think sure. he's like, Dustin Brown can go and get you 20 goals. I think Carl, or yeah, Carl Grunstrom, I think he needs help getting those 20 goals. I don't think, you know, like today, you know, I don't see Carl Grunstrom just looping around the net, taking a firing shot, knowing where the screen is, and right. then bearing a goal. And I'm not saying that he can't do that, but I'm saying that you're going to see that out of Dustin Brown much more than you see out of Grunstrom. I, I, I know that, that, from what I've heard, Toronto, I should say, I know, I've heard that Toronto didn't really want to give up Grunstrom yeah. in that I, yeah. deal. Yep. I, and he yep. was he was very, very highly touted yeah. uh, by the Leafs organization. They didn't want to give him up. So to get him to get a, a, a highly ranked prospect as Grunstrom, yep. I think that says a lot. That, I, I completely agree. That's, that's one of the nice there. things of trading with a team with a stocked cupboard. All, <laughs> yeah. all you have to do is hope that they misjudge which of their prospects <laughs> is the best. And you trade for the third one, and you go like, "Yeah, all right, well, you know, because that was sure, right? we'll they, take him. We didn't want to take runs from in Jersey; we wanted the other two guys. Right, but right, Toronto right, was right. like, "No, no, you cannot have these two guys." And then You're what like, about Jersey? That's another one, supposedly quite good, right? Yep. And you just hope that Toronto misjudged on there, right? <laughs> but they, but they were willing to pay because they right. wanted Jake Muzzin, right? Jokes on them. 
We yeah. hope. Well, we hope. Give I mean, it time. Listen, listen to <laughs> listen to Hockey Central at noon. There, uh, ooh, there's a lot of not nice things said about Jake Muzzin. Um, but no, but so the 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 reason I brought up all this stuff about coaching and culture was really to sort of get around to Justin Williams' quotes tonight. And this is sort of what I'm getting at. He's taking this. He's uh, a jerk. Yes. <laughs> this is the second time Jesse's taken the long road to get some. Um, that's how I work, man. Um, it makes you know the journey is the is the point, right? Uh, right. Um, <laughs> But no, Art Justin Williams quotes after the game. They what? What they they went in three to two. They the were up three to two against uh, Tampa. Were they yeah. I had five, five, three. I saw one at six three. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Up to up one going into the third. We pissed it away. It's unacceptable. We pissed it away, and it's unacceptable. And and then like the quotes go on and on and on. He said it about five times. And as I said to Jack, when was the last time this season we heard a Kings player after a game? We heard dejected, we've heard confused, we've heard frustrated. But when was the last time we heard anger from a Kings player? And and that's the... I mean, when I say culture, that's what I'm talking about as far as tweaks in the offseason. I don't necessarily need Jack Hughes, although that would be lovely. I don't necessarily need Gabe Velarde and Rasmus Kupari and Akil Thomas and all these kids to come in, although that would be lovely. Yeah, I'd take that. Right? More <laughs> talent. I'm never going to say no to more talent. A lot of youth. Yeah. <laughs> but what I would really like... More than anything, as I said last time, is a coach with the stones to tell the guys to shut up and play, and a player other than Jonathan Quick to stand up in front of the camera game after game after game when they lose and say, this is garbage. We played terrible. This is unacceptable. We pissed it away. Because that's what this season is. This season was pissed away. And the front office is calling it unacceptable. The front office is going around making mea culpas. And, you know, <laughs> and pleading with the fans, you know, we we know what's going wrong. We know how to fix it. Trust in us. This is an aberration, blah, 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 blah. I haven't heard anybody with a letter. Well, Drew Doughty sort of gave that one interview about halfway through the season where he yeah, yeah, spilled yeah. his guts and yeah. then disappeared for 20 games. Sorry, <laughs> Drew. Uh, you know, like I said, he's the best defenseman on the planet. He needs a jersey and a statue when his career is done. But I haven't seen any of the players go on the post game, and maybe I just haven't been watching the post game enough. I haven't seen a ton of anger. I haven't seen a lot of we pissed it away. And those are the kinds of things that Scuderi, in at, like game after game, if they were losing in those early seasons, Scuderi was in front of the camera. This isn't good enough. We're not good enough. Jared Stoll. Jared Stoll. Matt Willie Green. Mitchell. Willie Mitchell. Yep. Justin Williams. Yep. Those are the guys that would go and do that. Those are the guys that are missed. And that's, well, there's, that's what Jonathan I need Quick, more than There's talent. not one of them on the roster. And that's what this roster – And that, but that's, I, I completely agree. No, that's a great point. And, and that's what the Kings – that's one of the pieces we're missing. Are we missing some talent? Yeah, we're missing a little bit of talent. Are we missing grit? We're missing a lot of grit. Are we missing some culture? Yeah, we're missing some culture and we're missing a head coach. Talent, and, and I guess that's my point, is that talent is is more easily replaced than the other stuff. Because yes. you look at the Kings in 2006, they were terrible. right? Yep. When, when Dean Lombardi took this franchise yep. over. I remember. Yeesh. How and old was I? Uh, 2006? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Ten. All right. Oh. <laughs> and in six years, they won the Stanley Cup. Right? In six years, they went from yep. being terrible to being perennial cup contenders. Now, yes, they had an, an Andre Kopitar and a Dustin Brown and a Jonathan Quick lurking in the, in the you know, in the, in the, my, in the well, I guess Brown was in the NHL, but Kopitar and Quick were out there in the weeds, you know. Well, I guess, well, what year was Quick drafted? 2005? Think? Anyway, the point is, right, it's, it's easier to acquire talent than it is to acquire character and will beat skill you know 
all those phrases, right? Defense wins championships, whatever you want to call it. Those are the kinds of things. So if a guy like Grunstrom, if a guy like <laughs> Lord help me, Leipzig. <laughs> His name is off limits the rest of the podcast. Fair enough. But if but those are the those are the kinds of things I think this franchise needs to focus on, right? So for example, we need to shore up the left side of the blue line. I think with the right and this is what I'm ultimately getting. I think with the right I think with the right coach and a few guys out of the lineup and one or two different kinds of guys in, I think this team no, it's not a cup contender, but I think this team is a lot better than we think it is and then what our expectations should be set for. Next season, we should be expecting another bottom five finish, but I think with the right tweaks, this team makes a huge leap forward, and we find out what it really is. So are you saying to go out and get talent with character as I'm saying, well? I'm saying go out and get character. Don't worry about the talent. You've either drafted the talent or you haven't. And if you haven't, there's nothing to be done So you about want it. Justin Williams back? It's basically I want I want a five minute answer. I want you the, want Willie Mitchell to want, come out of retirement. I want yeah. pennies on the dollar versions of Mitchell. Uh, listen, and I, I watched easier said than done. I watched yeah, I watched is. Jared Stoll play at fantasy camp. He can still play. So I don't know if he wants to come back, but he can he can still shoot the puck and win face offs and all that kind of stuff. So he's a good player. I don't think he's coming out of retirement. Carlin's a free agent. Yeah. Look, when they <laughs> when they character. when they got Justin Williams, yeah, most of the fan base said what are you doing? This guy gets injured every year. He's yeah. Mr. Glass. Yeah. He's yeah. 27 years old. You know, what are you doing? You got rid of uh, Patrick O'Sullivan for this guy? Like, and he's on the dollar. And when they got Willie Mitchell, he's got concussion history. Vancouver didn't even want him. What do you, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, and, and Rob Scuderi, what are you paying this guy $4 million a year for? He's his second line or a second pair. Like, you they know, held people accountable. All these guys, with the yeah. exception of Mike Richards, who they really made a push for and paid a high price for. Right. Even stolen green. They traded Viznovsky yep. right before yep. right after they signed him to a huge deal with a no trade clause, I might add, <laughs> for all those people who love to talk about Dean Lombardi's loyalty he traded in the day before the no trade clause kicked in. How's that for loyalty? Anyway, <laughs> but <laughs> but they brought in stolen green. Nobody was clamoring for nope. Matt, Matt Green. Nope. And Jared Stoll was what? A second line center, maybe Build like, a statue. But those are the guys. So so that's why I say the the culture change that you could potentially make in the offseason i don't know who's out there i don't know right i'm not plugged in i don't know who the defensemen out there are that are gonna be like a willie mitchell but there's there's a there's tons of guys out there because every team not every team so many teams do the same conversation we're having and get it back and get and get it backwards they go we need more talent we need the fast guy we need the whatever it is you know the St. Louis is out there. We'll pay Vladimir Tarasenko $80 million without realizing that a speedy right winger isn't going to win you the cup. It's the six guys behind him that you pay a collective $20 million for. Well, I guess I think what I, what I from the last five minutes, yeah. uh, <laughs> think you're getting at is we have the talent or we don't have the talent in our youth right now. The draft picks, what's going to be become a draft pick. Um, that's where it is. It's in the Grundstrom area. It's in, you know, it's in Ontario. It's in, you know, Anderson Dolan. It's in Velarde. It's in, you know, whoever we get first or second or third or fifth overall. It's in Kopitar, Brown, well, yes, Iafalo, it is. Kempe, but basically Tafoli, what we're missing like... is we are missing locker room people. We're missing the guys who are going to hold people accountable. We're, we're going to we're missing those mean guys who basically keep everyone in check. And that's that's where part of this season has gone awry. And unfortunately, you know, it's too late to do something about it this year, but 
you know, especially when we assume the roster is going to be getting younger, you need to have those people on the other end who are going to hold those, you know, 18 to 22 year olds when maybe they don't bring it every night or and, and teach them how to be professionals. Exactly. Which and, is and, another key. And not, well, no, but that's exactly right. And, and at the same time, it's like, let's be honest, there's still some guys on this roster who we include into that core that need to be held accountable as well. But here's the thing. Justin Williams and Willie Mitchell sat on the bench before every playoff game. I don't know if they did this in the regular season. They sat on that. There's footage of it. They made a big deal of it during the playoff runs. They sat on the bench during the warm-ups, and they watched the other team. You can see it. The two of them just chit-chatting to each other, watching the other team, scouting them, looking, learning, whatever it is those two guys did. That was their routine. No, nobody else that was on this roster back then that is still on this roster does that. There's no inclination at all that those two guys taught anybody on this team how to quote unquote be professionals or taught them how to quote unquote be leaders or anything like that. Like, I don't believe Mm -hmm. that stuff is transferable. Like, I think that the fact that Kopitar Brown, Dowdy, um, probably Carter, I don't know, I wasn't there in Philadelphia early in his career, but the fact that none of those guys ever got benched, the fact that none of those guys were ever healthy scratches, the fact that none of those guys were ever, you know, um, held accountable and i'm not saying it's a good or bad thing because look they won two cups they had perfectly fine careers but those guys clearly never developed that part of their game and so i'm not worried about they also always had someone to do it for them that's my but that's my point is that i don't know that that is necessarily something you teach so i'm not worried about can we teach drew dowdy how to be the guy that teaches matt roy how to be a well i'm not saying i'm not saying that i'm saying how to be a professional i'm saying how to show up and, and work out right and how to take care of your body and how to how to do the right things on a road trip right and how to uh maintenance they talk about maintenance days all the mm-hmm. time and how days off how you treat your body and the foods you put in and and what you do on on your day off and what do you do when you go home what how do you to, do when you leave the rink how to show up every day how to show up every day and, and bring your game every single day that's what i'm talking about about being a professional i don't think i think you're right <laughs> excuse me i don't think you can teach the intangibles of learning to scout another team or to hold someone accountable that's either in your dna or it's not yeah guy there are there are leaders and there are followers you can't i don't think you can teach that either have it or you don't justin williams yeah. had a jared stole had a merit mac green had a Jer- you know willie mitchell had it. all these guys had it i think that's what they're lacking on this team now is they don't have that one guy or two guys that are going to hold people accountable mm-hmm. the question is then who do you go out and get that's going to hold these guys accountable, and especially if it's a first-year player coming in. I don't even how necessarily much, how think... much say are they going to have, or how mm-hmm. much influence are they going to have on a player who's been here for four, five, six, ten years? So I don't who's think it's necessarily right. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think it's a question of being held accountable so much as it is if the room is full of. Well, let's just use passengers and pilots, sure, for a mm-hmm. for a metaphor. Sure. If the room is full of passengers, right, and there's not a pilot in the group, then all it takes is one crap pilot to enter yeah, the room, well, yes. and the whole room goes with the bad pilot. Well, yeah, so but you that's not realistic out, in terms of personnel. I think they may already I have think, that. I, I think it's very <laughs> realistic. I mean, so, so one of the things of, they talk about in basketball is, sorry, and I'll let you finish yeah. a second. One of the things they say in basketball is that you can have one goofus on your team, Maybe two goofuses on your team, but as soon as you have goofus. three, yeah, well, I'm not worried. As soon as you have three goofuses, <laughs> then because a basketball roster is so small, right, the three goofuses take over the room, right. no matter how they good, own the room. And it's enough yep. to bring the it rest of it down. down. Yep. Yep. Hockey's a little different. 
But like I said, if you have a room and let's say there's 23 guys on this roster and let's say 20, let's say 17 of them are pilots, two of them are goofuses and three of them are, are the opposite of a goofus. You've got you've got 17 guys on any given night who are going to go one of two ways, the goofus route or the good route. And if the good route, you know, is having a bad week or got married or has a kid or whatever reason is is not right in it 100 percent, then the goofus can can ruin the room and the the goofus might not even realize they're a goofus no i I agree that (laughs) goofus word of the day uh word of the pod uh i just i I don't think it's realistic where you say you bring in another and as, as dave was saying earlier on this is you can't just bring in another justin williams not named justin williams and all of a sudden, it's like, all right, he owns the place. Anze Kovatar bows down to him. Dustin Brown, you know, that's not how it's going to work. I agree. But at the same time, you know, Anze Kovatar has to realize, or you know, Dustin Brown has to realize, or you know, whoever it is, they they also realize, you know, whoever was in charge this year in the locker room, it didn't work. Whoever you know tried to hold people accountable, it didn't work. You know, and I'm not saying it's their fault. The season is where we are, but. That's on the general manager to bring in someone who is not only going to be respected, uh, but is also going to be accepted. And that's where I think a lot of uh, some of the problems we've had are is maybe not everyone on the roster was accepted who came in or maybe not everyone who came in was respected. And maybe that's where we are today. And, you know, that's where the manager has to know. But who belongs? Who doesn't belong? You also you also need a coach. Exactly. That can yes. lay that down yes, right exactly. from the start. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's because, a, yes. because with the John Stevens to Willie Desjardins changeover, yep. that was then lost. I, I, yep. You know Whether John lost the team or the team didn't believe in John or whatever didn't work out there between mm-hmm. them, it, it certainly took a downturn when Willie was hired. Yes. And I don't know if it's because he was labeled interim coach and he didn't get the respect or whatever it is. Yep. Or it, the goofuses didn't like him. Or the goofuses didn't like him, right. <laughs> yeah. But you need a coach that's going to lay down the law right away and say, this isn't this isn't tolerated. Exactly. This is not going to happen I think, anymore. Yeah, and Willie obviously did not accomplish that in his right. 60-something games here, whatever it may be. You know, it, you have to have that coach who's going to say, you know, Anze, stop. Or, you know, you know, whoever it is, stop. Yeah, you know, I'm not picking on Anze Kobitar by any means, but there are certain players who are going to have more of a voice in the locker room, whether you're using that voice or not, you know, actions physically, verbally, you know, they have, you know, people look up to them and that coach has to be able to just be like, all right, you know, that's not working. That's not how it's going to go. I agree. And that's where we're going to move to. So let me, let me use specific players to, to sort of put a face to what I'm saying. You can't swap out a half a roster. And I agree. You can't bring in a kid, and, ha- and expect Kopitar and Brown and Dowdy to defer to him, right? That's not going to happen. Take a kid like Jared Anderson Dolan. Everything we've heard about Jared Anderson Dolan and the conversations that I, not many of them, that I've had with him face-to-face, this kid is a pilot. This kid is not a goofus, and this kid is not a passenger. He'll be wearing a letter here this kid, very soon. He, yeah. he reads, you know, I was talking to him, and I said, like, oh, what are you doing in your spare time? You know, what are you doing? And he said, I like to read, and I like to read. And I'm a big fiction fan. So I was like, oh, on the off chance that we may have read. I mean, obviously, he's 20 years younger than me and I got nothing in common with the kid <laughs> at all. But I just thought, like, oh, what do you read about? Like, yeah. you know, you like Sword and Stone. Do you like, you know, comic f- books, you know, like whatever. <laughs> that would have been amazing. But no, he said uh, he said nonfiction. And I said, oh, like historical, you know, biographies. Like and he said, like, no, like right now, he said, I'm reading a book about sleep and the benefits on uh, on, you know, your, your body. 
from a health standpoint. So it's like this kid in his spare time reads books about how sleep can improve his physical. He gets it. Yeah. Like this kid, when you put him in the locker room, it's gonna be he's going to zone. He's going to not pay one bit of attention to the goofuses and and any mm-hmm. Akil Thomases or Rasmus Kuparis or Sean Dursies or Carl Grunstrom's or any of those kids. He's going to teach them how to be a professional, right? Anshay Kopitar is not going to teach well, them how to be a professional. Well, that's the great part about it is there's layers. But my point is you fill you piece by piece by piece. Yes. You put you bring in as many pilots as possible and you get rid of as many goofuses as possible and yep. slowly over time you turn the balance of your locker room. You don't like I said, you don't look for a guy to come in and tell Andre Kopitar, you don't tell me how to play, old man. <laughs> you know, right, right, I'm right. 20 and I know what's happening. Right. You bring in the guys who have it inside them. And over the course of time, you hope that the balance, your, your Stoll, your Green, your Richards, your Williams, your Mitchell. Develop. It, it, it creates a wave that carries the talent yep. with it. Because the talent, I mean, this is the joke I used to make with the Royal Half. He's a Gretzky guy. I'm a Robitaille guy. Gretzky was gifted with talent. And while, whereas Robitaille was also clearly gifted with it, Robitaille was like a ninth round pick and fought his way into the league and okay, was a terrible we were, I skater. We were, I thought that was like, oh, Robitaille versus Gretzky. No, but the <laughs> point is there, in my mind. There's two different types of roads that they came on yes. to become great, yes. And I always, I favor the second road because the second road is I was, the person wasn't born with inconceivable God-given yeah, talent that makes you go, I had Who to do is that? Yeah. How he worked his ass off. Yeah, yeah. I had to work my ass off to get, to get everywhere. Right. Everything that I accomplished. Pilots. Yeah. And I see, I see Jared Anderson Dolan. I, I think you pegged it right, and I, I just said it. But I think, I think Akil Thomas is the same. Within way. within a couple of seasons, you'll be seeing Jared Anderson Dolan with a letter on the front of his jersey. Yeah, he's that type of player. It's great. It's a, as the other as the others get up there in their careers and older, I think that transfer of power will then be shifted to the younger players, and you'll yes. see him with. An A on his jersey and possibly a C on his jersey down the road. Yeah. How many? You know, how many years from now that remains to be seen. But I'm sure it's going to happen in, in a relatively short period of time. Kid's a workhorse. Yes. He's a study freak. He's got talent. Everybody who everybody talks to him says the only thing he thinks, cares, or worries about is hockey. Take a guy like Akil Thomas. Guy's got his own clothing line. Now I get it. On some level, you could dismiss that as goofy or frivolous or whatever nonsense. As far as I'm concerned, he's a teenager. He's an entrepreneur. Like his yeah. his father and his uncle both paid professional hockey. Right there, you've got two kids who know what they want, and they're getting well, it, and they're, they're smart. not worried. Yeah, they're smart, and they're exactly. business savvy. You got Carl Grunstrom, right, who plays the game the way you said he plays right. the game. You got Matt Roy and Sean Walker, who, yep. look, who, as far as I can tell, they look great. Well, you're probably going to get another pilot out of this next traffic, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. So, like exactly. I said, all you got to do is cut a few goofuses loose and find a coach who's a pilot. Well, don't you think that's don't you so, think so easy? Don't yeah. you think a majority of that happens this summer? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's my point is that we should set our expectations low, but the reality is I think the solution to what ails this team is actually not as difficult as it's being pitched to fans by the front office. It's just a matter of getting rid of those goofuses. Yeah. That's the hard that's part. that's well, yeah, the, but again, yeah, it's easier said difficult. than done. We don't right. you know, you think you well, know. First you have to identify them. Well, yeah, that's exactly. You think, think you know who they are. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's it's easier said than done, and so is a lot of things in life. But at the same time, you know, we know what the problems are. Yeah. yeah. The problems have been identified. So that's that. the good thing is that's out of the way. You know, this isn't a team that barely made the playoffs, and we're trying to figure out the reason why they didn't make the playoffs. Right. We know why they didn't make the playoffs, and there's four reasons that are just flashing right in front of our eyes. The good thing is we can address those sooner rather than later and we have more time to prepare for next year now 
that's an optimistic way to look at it because we're not in the playoffs and we were nowhere near at any point in the season. Uh, so that's the first game of the year we were in it. <laughs> okay, yeah. For 71 games, we were on. <laughs> that's about right. 70, yeah. yeah. For 71 games, we knew. No, yeah. we didn't know, but we were on the path of failure. Yeah. Um, and we, again, we didn't know why it failed at the beginning. We do now. And now we have the ability to address it. And fortunately for the organization, we have the pieces in the works already. You know, this isn't a complete rebuild where, you know, get rid of Anze Kovatar, get rid of Jonathan Quick, get rid of Drew Doughty because it's over. You know, get rid of the core. The core is still going to be good enough to take a team to a Stanley Cup based on where we think the youth is coming from and how soon it's coming. Speaking of youth, can we just talk about number 76 in your program? Yes. Scratch tonight. Johnny oh, <laughs> he's Johnny Brunson. He's not young, but but younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Younger. Yeah. So here's the. Thing. I'm just trying to understand. Oh, so also, you, you go 11, 11 forwards and yeah. seven D tonight, and I <laughs> and I don't get it. It worked out. You won the game, okay? Yeah. But it it, it well, it's, Curtis it's an experiment like that's been tried before. Five minutes. Yeah. Right, I just don't. I don't get. It for someone who played hockey sense. at at a, a very low level. Uh, Whenever we had seven defensemen in the lineup and I was a defenseman, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> the, the seventh guy just throws off everything because you it's, go out in twos yeah. every time. And occasionally you're on the PK or you're on the power plane. You're playing with a different guy. But for the most part, you're playing with the same partner every single minute, every time you're out there. And now you go to a seventh D and then you're rotating guys. <laughs> and then you've got centers who are playing flanked by Wait. two other wings <laughs> yeah. that they've never played with before. And you go... What what is the point of this? Well, I, you're, I don't, and you're I, telling I'm, me that Curtis McDermott's six minutes and thirty four seconds couldn't have been split up amongst Ledoux, Walker, <laughs> well, right? Roy, I, I just don't <laughs> and Martinez. What is the scratching of Johnny Brodzinski proven? Uh, and why not just let him play? Just no let him play for the rest of no. the year. And all we've heard all year is I, I don't going to give the kids I just opportunities, don't right? And they're and they're not getting the opportunity. And, and here's how here's how it compounds itself. Also, Matt Luff is in the HL. That's no. That's another one. But this is a hundred percent how it compounds itself, and and how the locker room makes these things even more important. And I say this as a card-carrying, lifelong goofus. <laughs> Not a pilot or a passenger. 100%, 100% goofus. goofus yeah. I'm the idiot. You're owning I'm 100% the idiot in the back of the room but yeah. keep listening making to this snide comments. No, that's... <laughs> Because every now and then, a goofus is what you need. Just not... Absolutely you not do. Not right now. Absolutely you do. Um, if the coach does stuff like that, and there are three guys in the locker room saying to each other... What the hell is this coach doing? Like, and then that—that's again. That's like that's a basketball thing. That's yeah. why you can't have four guys in the room criticizing the coach, and that's why you can't hire a coach that makes decisions Goofuses. that that see <laughs> yes goofily. Because I mean, I don't know that this is happening, but I could well imagine if we're sitting here going, "What is this guy doing?" Right, and all we hear from the from the players is that the practices don't go well, and so you go, "Well, that's on the coaching staff." And, you know, the, the front office says we're going to do one thing and then the coach says the other. Again, we don't know what the instructions to the coaching staff right, are. Correct. They could the coaching staff could 100 percent be doing what is expected of them, according to the front office. Oh, but God. if they're not, if the coaching staff is making all these decisions that don't make sense to the fans and don't make sense to the media and don't appear to jive with what the front office is saying or Dave Joseph or Dave Joseph, then that is 100 <laughs> percent the kind of thing that a lost locker room will make a th- thousand times worse yes agree right there's if, if there's nobody in the locker room to stand up and go okay we get it this guy's marbles are not all necessarily the same color 
but follow me, boys. I know the way. Well, what we need to address is your last place team. The last ten games, obviously, they don't mean anything. But at the same time, you know, from a from a statistic standpoint, mm-hmm. standings wise, they mean a little bit in terms of percentage of where the ping pong balls fall. Beyond that, they don't mean anything. And by that, I mean the small margin of what they mean is. For a guy like Carl Grundstrom, or a guy like Leipzig, or a guy, uh, I said I wouldn't say it, um, a guy, a guy like uh, Walker or Wagner or Ayafala or one of them, for them to get hot or for them to be able to show something that we haven't seen all year in a positive manner, for us to then have a different, not only you know a ten game span is a small amount, but for them to show something over the top or or more than what we would have seen in the previous seventy two games. For us to then take that and have expectations that he can keep doing that. And that's what the 10 games are about. It's about, we know what we're going to get out of Kovatar. Stop playing him 24 minutes a game. Doughty, Doughty played how many minutes tonight and we still had seven defensemen? Rotate the D. Yeah. Like We need to see that because that's the opportunity that has been given to the players. Yet the coaching staff has still failed to allow these young kids who all that's what we want to know because we don't we know what all these young or older guys can do but show me what Johnny Brodzinski can do playing 15 minutes a game show me what Leipzig Wagner <laughs> bleep it out just bleep it out uh, show me what Wagner can do playing on the second line the whole game right. on the second power play show me what Kempe can do playing first line minutes or taking the draw against the the first night you know the first pair of you know forward on the on the road show me what he can do playing against the first line of the other team those are the questions that needs to be answered and yet we've said this for 15 to 20 games and we've barely gotten the answer or well, result did, did you not like what you saw from sean walker tonight i thought sean walker it was, was great. tremendous tonight it i thought matt the, roy was yes. tremendous tonight sean walker took the puck up the ice four or five times tonight and and it looked like he was a, a Norris candidate. I mean, yeah. he, just I the said, way his poise. And, and I said to Jack before he showed up, if if you tell me next year that the right side of the blue line is Dowdy, Walker, and Roy, we're good. No problem. Fine. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. And I like what I saw from Roy tonight, and, and he got his first NHL goal. I think I called his first AHL goal, too, which is maybe you're the pat, good luck child. There you go. Back, but uh, the kid from Michigan Tech, he went to Michigan Tech <laughs> in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, where I'm from, so I got to give him kudos. Upers, yeah, Upers. Uh, uh, but I, I liked what I see from both of those guys, and I just like to see him play more minutes and get some more time and yeah. just see what they could do if they have that Preach. that extra work. Right? Sorry, Dave. We needed six minutes of Curtis McDermott. Well, I, I got no problem playing McDermott. <laughs> oh, either. We're, we're on but board then, with but, that. But, but don't bring, play Dowdy 20 exactly, minutes. Exactly. Bring down the minutes from... Why are they? What's the sense of playing them here's that a, many minutes? I'll compare, I'll compare this. I'll compare this to the NBA. You know, I'm not saying scratch Dowdy and Kovatar because you can't do that. But no, there's a reason LeBron's getting load management. Right. Play him 24 minutes a game instead of 38, because a they need to figure out what's going on with the rest of their roster. Correct. So do the Kings. We don't. Right. Need, we don't need to see I'll do Dowdy one. working his behind. I'll off. do you one better. Give Martinez a night off. Yeah. Not not even as a punishment to him. Just say like, yeah. Hey, he's battled injuries. We're in thirtieth place. We don't right. know how you're, healthy he is. You're thirty, and we need to figure out if we're bringing this guy back. Let the young guys carry so the mail for a while. Yeah, we're going to give We've him ten games, sixteen just, minutes tonight. Not I would six. Yeah. I but sixteen. I wouldn't yes. mind if you scratched Martinez and Carter. Uh, Look, they're scratching yeah. Fanuff, so I mean, why not? And like, Fanuff, like, 100%. Scr- why not? 100%. What does it hurt at this point? Uh, Load management, uh, whatever it may be. It's not a punishment to the issues. older guys. 
It's not a punishment to the veterans. No, it's this is what, look, this is what we're trying to build on yeah. for the next three to five years. The season was a failure. Let's see what Let's we have. Move on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Completely agree. And the thing is, is you know, we say this over and over, but it's it's there's so many things that I that I've said over the the whole year that are so much easier said than done. This is very easy to do, and, and it just hasn't been done. And I don't know who's saying don't do it or if it's Desjardins just refusing, trying to act like he can still get this job if Kopitar puts up. You know, 15 points in the last nine games. <laughs> oh, I don't know what it is, but it's just. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's me Desjardins. bonking myself yeah. with the microphone yeah, in a, the head. That's Desjardins' head. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, we'll see what happens, but that's what we need to see because that's the future. And I agree completely. Let them take the night off because it's not like their job isn't. They're NHL players. They're going to play in the NHL next year. We just don't know who else is going to play in the NHL next year. Right. And that will help answer the question. But And, I mean, I said this to you before the game, Dave. Leipzig is up on the second line or third line, however you want to divvy up. The, but tonight you, had, name. tonight you had uh, – what's that? Oh, sorry. Well, no, this time I actually have to, but it's going to be more about <laughs> Brodzinski and Wagner. Fair. Uh, with Kovalchuk out and Fanuff out and Brodzinski out, here's my solution for tonight. Put Brodzinski in. Give Martinez the night off. Again, not as a punishment, just as a, like, hey, we're load yep. management, as you say. Yep. Distribute the, the D minutes evenly. If Leipzig is not a part of the future, because I don't know if he is or isn't, but who knows. For God's sakes, just for one game, play Wagner, right? Yep. A heavy load amount of minutes. And put Brozinski on the fourth line or third line or whatever it is. Like, But there, there are so many different ways. And this is why these coaching decisions are so curious, because half the time the decisions appear to be actively hurting the team's opportunity to win. Yeah. And then the other half, they seem to be specifically geared towards trying to help the yeah. team win. And so you just go like, I don't. Well, the thing is, is which like, direction right. are you going? If, right. if you make these decisions for the roster and you take Martinez out of the lineup and take Carter out of the lineup and you bring in these youngsters, the result does not matter. Right. What matters is how they play. If you lose seven to two, who cares? Why did you lose seven to two? Maybe it's because one of them can't hang in the NHL playing right. 20 minutes a game. Well, now we know. We right. didn't know. We didn't know today. Right. We didn't know yesterday. Maybe someone's a minus five on the night. Exactly. Say, oh, here's better here's, to learn now than in October. Exactly. Better to know than exactly like, right. oh, well, now we're three guys injured next year and we're in the middle of, you know, a, a, a lucky playoff chase. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't just throw up a guy who last year went minus five. Someone else needs that opportunity. Right. And that's what we're missing right now because it's. I, it's just it's so head scratching. It it's just I they need to give people opportunities. And we've probably said that 15 times in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. But, but in multiple different ways. Well, I thought you were going to say in the last 15 days. Oh, well, OK. That's but it. I mean, ultimately, I think we need to expect that in the last 10, 10, 10, 9, 90 is whatever it is. This is what we're going to get. We right. Like there's, have this is it. This we is going to be a weird mishmash of nonsense. And I'm fine with that. and like I said, April sixth the season ends. April seventh the search begins, and April 9th, the future is uh, is set. So <laughs> awesome, uh, good time. Gonna wrap it up. Good time over and over an hour. I hope I hope I can clip it down to fit it in the hour slot. Dave J- <laughs> Joseph, thanks for, <laughs> thanks, for hanging out with us, Jack Johnson. A pleasure as always. Again, he did it, Jack Johnson. I not can't. Well, I almost called him Dave Johnson, so that's why. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've got the. He's anyway. got. He's, all right, fine. Yeah. You got Johnson I, on I, your I, mind. Dr. Blonsky, I thank you for joining him. me. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.